there are a lot of really awesome things about Thanksgiving, and it's really just a holiday to gather with loved ones to thank God for the many ways he's blessed us. And I think that's really a wonderful holiday, that we live in a society, in a country, that we stop, all of us, and take a day to thank God for the ways he's blessed us. And today, we're going to be talking about, naturally, thanksgiving, thanks and gratitude. And we're going to be in Luke chapter 17, verses 11 through 19. And so if you'll open your Bibles there, we'll also have the words on the screen, but Luke 17, 11 through 19. And while you flip there, I actually have a video about Thanksgiving. Royce, if you want to roll that for us. It's that time again. We all know it's November, and as you may know, it nice and Thanksgiving's loud in November. And so today, we are here to say what we are thankful for. I'm thankful for a lot of things. God, because he takes care of me. And I'm thankful for God for making my friends and family because they make me happy when I'm sad. Um, banana feels thank you for her banana. Uh, I'm thankful for God. I'm thankful for my God, dog Mia. I'm thankful for the animals. My mom, my brother, and my dad. I am thankful to God for whoever made gravy. <laughs> Why? Because <laughs> gravy is delicious. Every fall, I really like to fall because at the pumpkin patch, it's so fun. The first thing is, I'm glad that World War III didn't happen. Okay, did you think that it was gonna happen? Pretty sure before. <laughs> my family, I'm thankful for my friends. For my dad, because he protects me and takes care of me. And he makes sure we're not living on the side of the road. Mainly my parents, because I mess up a lot and they give me a lot of grace. For my family. Anything else? Well, nothing at the moment, but once I see this video later, I'm going to think of so many other things. My clothes, my house. Make for the whole world. I'm thankful to God that he made a thing called, he made a thing called YouTube. God made YouTube? God put the idea in the people's head who made YouTube. Food. For food? Why? Mm, I like eating it. Inventors that invented stuff like cameras and phones, or else, like, if there wasn't a camera, they wouldn't be, be videotaping this right now. My friends. Why? Because they're, they're fun to play with. I think that covered it. All right. Um, <laughs> I, cut, I cut the video a little bit, um, but uh, that was cute. And I am also, like that kid, thankful that World War III didn't happen and, uh, and thankful for many of the things that those kids are thankful for. And um, my hope today, though, is as Christ followers, as believers and followers of Jesus, my hope today is that you will gain a deeper understanding of what things or maybe who you are most grateful for. And so let's look at Luke 17, 11 through 19. This is the story of Jesus healing the 10 lepers. Verse 11 says, On the way to Jerusalem, he was passing along between Samaria and Galilee, and, at, and as he entered a village, he was met by ten lepers who stood at a distance and lifted their voices, saying, Jesus, Master, have mercy on us. When he saw them, he said to them, 
Go and show yourselves to the priests. And as they went, they were cleansed. Then one of them, when he saw that he was healed, turned back, praising God with a loud voice, and he fell on his face at Jesus' feet, giving him thanks. Now he was a Samaritan. Then Jesus answered, were not ten cleansed? Where are the nine? Was no one found to return and give praise to God except this foreigner? And he said to him, rise and go your way. Your faith has made you well. And actually in the Greek uh, where it says your faith has made you well, it, it also is, has double meaning. It means your faith has saved you. And so uh, let's pray and then we'll get started. Father, thank you for this morning. Thank you for your word. And Lord, as we look to you, uh, as we look to your word, may we, uh, may you speak to our hearts in this time. Uh, may we be uh, may we open our hearts to receive your word and, and hear from you this morning, and may we leave here changed. Yeah. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. So I've got uh, three points for you this morning about thanks, and the first one is I'm thankful for a Savior who hears the outcast. Uh, now, the book of Luke is divided into three separate major sections, if you're familiar with the book of Luke. So uh, the middle section is chapters 9 through 19. And what Luke does, it's different than all of the other gospel writers, is he sets up chapters 9 through 19 all as one kind of long uh, journey that Jesus takes from Galilee to Jerusalem for the final time. And so this is chronicling, and where we're at is in the middle of this, chapter 17. Uh, we, are, we are seeing Jesus' final journey from where he grew up and where he's been doing ministry to Jerusalem, where he will eventually be crucified. And uh, where, we, where we pick up Jesus is uh, somewhere in between Samaria and Galilee. So he's recently left Galilee, and he's in the area between the two regions. Um, and in fact, I have a map, Royce, if you want to put it up there. And it's going to be impossible to see. Um, sorry about that. So Galilee is the area in the north. And you see there's a line that goes through everything. And uh, Jesus is making his um, ascent, because he's actually going higher in elevation, although he's going south, um, to Jerusalem, which is at the very bottom. And in the yellow area in the middle is uh, where he, we think he likely was. We don't know the village exactly, but uh, to the north of that yellow area is Galilee, and to the south of that yellow area is Samaria, and then of course south of Samaria is Jerusalem. And so somewhere along that highlighted path in yellow uh, is where Jesus was. You can take it off, uh, Royce. Um, but I, I show that to you and I, I highlight that for you because um, Samaritans and Jews were not friends. And people who lived in Galilee were Jews. And people who lived in Samar Samaria were uh, Samaritans. And they were not friends at all. In fact, um, they had similar cultures. They actually had similar belief systems. They came from a sim similar lineage, but they uh, positively did not like each other. Specifically, the Jews did not like the Samaritans. I, I, the Samaritans didn't like the Jews that much either, but uh, the Jews were quite racist against the Samaritans. And so uh, 
they, they, the Jews did not fraternize with them at all. They didn't do business dealings with them. They didn't wed their children to uh, Samaritans. Uh, the Jews didn't even speak to them if they could avoid it. They saw Samaritans as a second-class citizen um, because although they were Semites and they came from a, a similar, uh, similar lineage, they were not inheritors of God's promise. They were not the Israelites, the Jews, the Jews people. Goodness, let me say it right. They were not Jews who were God's people. And so um, these Jews looked down at Samaritans in a significant way um, as second-class citizens. But Jesus goes into this region and this area, and he enters a village, and he has ten lepers cry out to him. Now, if you thought Samaritans were second-class citizens— then obviously lepers were even further below. And that's because um, lepers were not even seen as hardly as humans. Um, most of the time seen as animals. They had the disease of leprosy, which gave them terrible skin lesions on their bodies. And actually, a lot of people don't know a lot about leprosy. Um, it's still around today. Uh, there are about 200 cases a year in the United States, but around 100 years ago, we developed a cure for it. So people no longer really die from it, except for very, very rural uh, third world places. But um, the people who had leprosy, they would lose their feeling and a sense of feeling in their fingers and toes and extremities over time, and they would naturally get injuries in those areas and have to have those things amputated. But the, the really negative thing about leprosy is that it would eventually engulf the entire body and kill someone. Um, it would eventually lead to death. It was a very slow death. It was terrible, um, but it would lead to death. And the thing about leprosy that really made it nasty is that it was, it, it, was, it was mildly contagious. And so during that time, people who had leprosy were excommunicated from society. They were thrown out. They were thrown out of their family, out of their work, out of their town, out of their village, wherever they lived. They were taken out of society as they knew it. And um, were excommunicated, not allowed to interact with anyone who was clean without leprosy. They could only interact with other lepers. And so, uh, naturally, when Jesus goes to this village, he has 10 lepers say, cry out to him and, and ask him for mercy. And that's because the lepers, since they couldn't interact with anyone other than themselves, they formed little groups. They formed little villages or or. Um, areas outside of, usually outside of villages, where they would congregate together to have community, and they would rely on the alms of the people in that village for help. Because if you're missing all your hands and your feet, you can't really work, and you re require someone to take care of you, and so um, they would rely on people in the village to take care of them. And so when Jesus enters this village, Ten lepers yell out to him, have mercy on us, which would have been a normal thing. And as I just mentioned a minute ago, Jesus is making this journey knowing that he's about, just in the coming weeks, he's about to enter Jerusalem for the final time. With the weight of the world's sins on his shoulders. He had a lot going on. Of all people who had an excuse not to interact with the lepers, um, I promise you, Jesus had a better reason. 
And yet, he stopped. He had every right to ignore the lepers, and yet he interacted with them. I'm thankful for a Savior who hears the cries of the outcast. We live in a time where only, the world only listens to you if you have a large social media following or if you look a certain way, if you make a certain amount of money, if you have a certain kind of education, if you fit a certain voting demographic, uh, whatever it may be. But I'm thankful for a Savior who hears all who cry out to him. And the voice is to rich or to poor, to light or to dark, no voices too sick, no voices too hurting, no voices too sinful. Jesus hears your cries. And I just want to encourage you, friends, whatever Satan has lied to you about, telling you that you're not qualified, uh, there's something that disqualifies you from being heard by God, I can promise you that that's false. He hears all who cry out to him. And so, um, that's, so that's such a great thing to be thankful for. And as um, I've been thinking about this, we know this about Jesus, right? We know that he loves the outcast. We know that he came to save uh, the least of these. It's the whole idea of Jesus' upside-down kingdom, the, first become, or the last become first and the first become last, right? Uh, Jesus comes to the outcast, and uh, I know that we are thankful for this, but my question is, if we are thankful for a Savior who hears the cries of the outcast, then why is it so easy for us to ignore them? Um, we have a savior who's never too busy to stop and care for the broken. And for that, I'm thankful. Um, but as his people, as his hands and his feet uh, to a hurting world, may we follow in his footsteps. I think oftentimes we forget that you're the closest thing to Jesus Christ that many people will ever interact with. If you don't, who will? Point two this morning is that I am thankful for a Savior who heals and restores. Not only does he hear our cry, but he heals and restores us. Now, in our passage, Jesus healed the ten lepers. Um, we see that. But his healing of the lepers is very unique in comparison to his other healings. So he doesn't touch them. He doesn't really even, from what we can see in the passage, uh, come close to them. They cry out to him from a distance, and then he tells them to go. It's very unique. And it's interesting because in this interaction too, he first asked them to respond in obedience before they received the healing, which is really unique as well. He told them to, to present themselves to the priests who would then declare them clean if they were clean. Now, according to the Levitical law, a person, uh, if their, their leprosy did heal up, a person could go back into society, but it was only after the priest declared them clean, only then. And so when Jesus tells them to go to the priest, you know that this had to be very confusing to them, right? Go to the priest? Why? I've still got leprosy. I can see it on my skin. All he's going to do is tell me that I still have leprosy and tell me to go away. And this would have been very confusing to them because the priest 
can only declare what already is, right? The priest uh, doesn't have the ability to change anything. If you go to the priest, he will either tell you that you do have leprosy and are unclean or that you don't have leprosy anymore and that you are clean. Um, He only has the ability to proclaim what already is. But Jesus is no mere priest. Jesus doesn't declare what reality shows. Jesus declares and reality conforms. Jesus is no mere man. We know this. We know the end of the story. We know what he goes to Jerusalem to do. He is the God-man, the word who became flesh. Emmanuel, God with us. And one of my favorite passages of scripture, Paul writes uh, to the Colossians in, in chapter 1, verses 16 and 17. I love this. It says, for him, or for by him, all things were created in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities. All things were created through him and for him, and he is before all things, and in him all things hold together. He is the creator God. So when he spoke, creation conforms to his desire. And as the lepers began walking away, every step that they took towards the priests, their lesions began melting off. Their wounds began filling in. The thing that they thought would kill them was removed. They could go back to having a life. They could go back to having a family. They could go back to providing for themselves again, having work And a big one, they could go back to the temple, now being clean. They could go back to the place where God's spirit dwelled, where they can make sacrifices for their sins. They could go back. They were healed, and they were restored, and it's all because of Jesus. So I'm thankful for a Savior who heals and restores. And let me tell you something. Jesus is still in the healing and restoring business. Do you feel broken in any way? Only Christ can bring true restoration to your soul. Only Christ can heal the pain that sin has brought in our lives. And I said this on Thursday, though only a few of you were there. Um, I said this on Thursday at the ecumenical Thanksgiving, and, and I'll say it here too. One thing that I think is really interesting about this passage is that Jesus tells them to respond in obedience before they receive the healing. And sometimes that happens for us as well. Sometimes Christ calls us into obedience before we receive the deliverance. And, um, and I feel the need to say that because I know that some of you, I know some of you have been praying and praying and praying that God come through in a specific way, whether it be for you or whether it be for a family member. You've been praying and praying for this. And you've been saying, God, if you would just do this, then I will do this. And my encouragement to you this morning is that sometimes Christ is telling us to walk in obedience before the deliverance comes. And it's not because the obedience earns us God's deliverance and healing. That's never how it works. But oftentimes it's because our obedience is the conduit through which God wants to bring the deliverance. And so 
we walk in obedience to him. And here's the really cool thing. If we walk in obedience to the Lord, asking him to come through in a specific way, always one of two things happens. Either he does answer our prayer and he comes through in that specific way and we receive healing or deliverance in that specific way, or he changes our heart and our mind and we become content in the situation that we've been in. One of two things necessarily happens every time. And so we walk in obedience, trusting the Lord that either he does heal or he doesn't, but whatever happens, he's enough. So may we walk in that. I'm thankful for a Savior who heals and restores, whether that healing is on this side of life or on the next. In point three this morning, and this is the crux of our passage, uh, I love this. I am thankful for a Savior who is our reward. Um, Now, Luke wants us to see this, and he actually is comparing this passage against another, and we'll talk about that in a second. But how many lepers were healed? Ten, right? But how many went back to Jesus to give thanks to God? Just one. Which this is a total aside, but um, if you're that person that's getting bitter because people aren't giving you the thanks that you need, Jesus only got 10% of people to give him thanks. So chill, okay? And, his, and what he did for them is a lot bigger than what you're doing for someone else. So just chill. We don't, we don't serve people so that we get something back. Um, but, um, sorry, that was like, that just popped in my mind. Um, anyways, <laughs> only one came back and praised God. And, and here's the thing, I'm sure, I'm certain that the nine were thankful to God. Like, wouldn't you have been thankful to God that you thought you were going to die from leprosy and now you're healed? I'm sure that as they were walking to the priest, they were likely singing and dancing and happy and giving praise to God for the fact that they're healed now. But here's the thing. Even if they were doing that, they missed the point. They missed it. So Luke here is showing us a group of lepers who responded to Christ in a similar way or the same way that the 5,000 did to to Jesus in Luke chapter 9. I encourage you after this to go read Luke chapter 9. It's great. And um, turns out the whole book is. Uh, But but I encourage you to go read Luke chapter 9 because we see a strong similarity here. Except for rather than uh, Jesus feeding the 5,000, he's doing something much greater. He's not just giving them food. He's healing their disease. This miracle is so much more. And you see, the, the nine lepers received a miracle that, that was so great and so wonderful, but they missed what was right in front of them. So I have a friend who has heard, he doesn't live in Texas, and he, he heard about the amazing thing that is Bucky's gas stations. Oh, you know. If you're a Texan and you love Bucky's, raise your hand. It's unanimous. Some of you are raising it in your heart. I see it. Um, <laughs> I don't know. Um, but, anyways, um, no, I had a friend who he lives in New Mexico. He heard about Bucky's gas stations. Guys, Bucky's is a big deal now. They're not everywhere. You know, they're only in Texas and a couple, uh, they've kind of branched out to some other states. Um, but uh, they, they are a big thing now. They're on social media. Everyone knows about them. You can live across the country, and you've heard about Bucky's. And so uh, my friend 
had heard from friends about how awesome Bucky's is, and he really wanted to go. But living in New Mexico, they don't have Bucky's. And so he had the perfect opportunity. Him and his family were going to take a trip. They were going to go on a cruise out of Galveston, and he decided they were going to fl- uh, not fly. They were going to drive from New Mexico to Galveston because on the way, they were going to pass by a couple Bucky's. So they're excited about it. So they, they drove just for this, which is kind of crazy. But anyways, um, so they hit the road whenever that week comes, and they're driving. It takes them a couple hours to get to the Texas border. And then they drive and drive and drive because there's actually no Bucky's out west towards El Paso, which I'm going to suffer this week as my wife and I drive to El Paso. I wish there was one. But anyways, they, they drive down I-10. They get closer and closer, and then they finally see it. It's a billboard. Bucky's 100 miles. Like an oasis in the desert. They know it's there. So they keep driving and they keep driving and then eventually they see another sign and it says beaver nuggets ahead 50 miles. If you've had beaver nuggets, you know what I'm talking about. And they keep driving and they keep driving and then they see another sign Bucky's 20 miles away. And then as they're driving down I-10 they see off in the night sky, a distant circle, yellow with a beaver head in it. They're almost there. They're about to be at Bucky's, and they're so excited, and they finally get closer and closer. The sign's bigger than they thought as they get closer. They exit off. They're now in Luling, Texas, and they're near the Bucky's. And this is the small Bucky's. We know it's not the best Bucky's, but it's a Bucky's nonetheless. And so they pull off. They get to the Bucky's. They pull in to the drive, the, the parking lot. They all get out of the car. Dad gathers the kids around. He's so excited. They pull out their phones. They line up to take a photo with that giant sign with the beaver head on it, right? And so they line up. They take a selfie with with the Bucky the beaver. They take the photo and they're like, oh yes, we did it. We made it. All right, let's get back in the car. And they get back in the car and they drive to Galveston and they never went inside. I'm kidding. That didn't happen. And that would be crazy, right? Goodness, yeah, slap them around. That would be outrageous because if you go to Bucky's, you got to get the beaver nuggets or the beef jerky or the barbecue or the fudge or the, the yeah, or the world's cleanest bathrooms. You at least got to go in and look at them, even if you don't have to use it, okay? This, is, this place is amazing. And so, <laughs> and so uh, when you go to Bucky's, you got to go inside. Not going inside would be silly mistaking the sign for the actual destination would be ridiculous. It would be ridiculous. And yet, Luke is pointing out to us that that's exactly what's happening. We see the 5,000 did that to Jesus after he fed them. They said they wanted more bread. And that's exactly what the nine lepers are doing here. Wow, this is awesome. My, my skin is healed. I'm no longer going to die from this leprosy. This is wonderful. I, this, this is impossible. How could this be healed? There's no, there's no cure for this, at least at that time. There's nothing to fix my situation. I was going to die from this, and now I'm not. I'm so happy. Give me more of that. Give me more of the healing. Give me more of this. And that's what they wanted, but they never stopped to say, wait, who is this man? 
who even has leprosy bow to him. My goodness. Only one leper returned. And as he was walking, he realized that his wounds were healed and he couldn't contain himself. He turned back around and ran to the source of healing. And, and here's the thing. I brought up earlier about Samaritans and how they weren't inheritors of the promise. This is the last guy to, that you would think would recognize who Jesus is. He's a Samaritan. He's not a Jew. He didn't grow up memorizing the Torah. He didn't grow up hearing all of his life about how a Messiah would come to him and his people. He didn't know that stuff. And yet, he's the one who recognized who Jesus actually is. All he knew is that his wounds were healed and he knew that there was no other response appropriate than to fall at Jesus' feet in worship and gratitude. The man received healing, but at that moment, the healing was a secondary issue. He was standing in front of the Messiah. All 10 lepers received healing, and all 10 lepers walked away changed, but only one saw Jesus for who he truly is. He recognized that Jesus is not simply a prophet who could bring gifts from God, but rather, he is the gift from God. There's nothing higher, there's nothing better. Jesus is our reward. And Jesus told him that it was this faith that saved him. Not seeking to get something from Jesus, instead just seeking Jesus. All 10 lepers received healing. All 10 lepers looked the same on the outside but only one of them was truly saved. And my question to you is which leper are you? Are you, one, are you one of the one? Are you one of the nine? During this season of Thanksgiving, may we be thankful uh, to God for the gifts and, and blessings that he's given us, our, our health, our, our job, our family, all these different things, we should be thankful to God for those things. Um, in fact, James says that all good gifts come from the Father. Everything that you have was given to you by grace. And so we should thank God for those things. But may we be like the one leper who recognized the true gift. May we fall at Jesus' feet and recognize that it is him who we're truly thankful for above all else. We aren't saved by Christ for something other than Christ. And, and I don't know, you know, this is like a weird American Christian um, viewpoint that we're saved by Christ for heaven. If you learn that, that's false. You're saved by Christ for Christ. Heaven is only heaven because Jesus is there. It's not because the streets are gold. It's just a metaphor to help you understand how invaluable the things of this earth are when you're in the presence of Jesus himself. Or invaluable, not valuable. How about that? I'm saying the wrong word. But um, we are saved by Christ for Christ. You want satisfaction? 
Christ doesn't give satisfaction. He is your satisfaction. You want healing? Christ doesn't just give healing. He is your healing. You want peace? Christ doesn't give peace. He is your peace. So we don't go to him for something other than him. We go to him for him alone. He is our reward. And I hope and pray that we never, ever miss that. In a second, we're going to sing a song, and um, I just want to invite you to respond. Uh, I want us to respond and sing together uh, that we are children of God through Christ. Um, But also, um, if you want me to pray with you, I'll be down here. If you want to come and pray um, at the steps, you're welcome to do that as well. Uh, Let me pray for us, and let's sing together. Father, we thank you so much for Jesus. Um, We can thank you for everything we have because truly everything we have is from you. But there is nothing, nothing better than Jesus. And so, Lord, uh, help us to understand that, uh, that we don't seek Christ for anything. We seek Christ because it is him who we are satisfied in. We seek Christ for Christ. May we learn this, may we know this this week as we sit around the dinner table with friends, with family. May we be people who respond to the outcast. May we be people who uh, cry out to you for uh, healing in other people's lives. But most of all, Lord, may we look to you as our satisfaction and as our reward. You are it. Ask this and I pray this in Jesus' name.